Well, I want to do something a little bit, um, it, it actually is a little bit unique, but only because it's so old, everybody quit doing it. And so it's become unique again. I'm going to do a sermon that has got three points <laughs> that all start with the same letter so that you can remember them, that it'll be practical, and I'll repeat it at, at the beginning, and then I'll tell it all in the middle, and then I'll tell you at the end that what I said was all the things that started with the letter R. It'll be like a review and you remember them. It's kind of old school. We're just gonna go back to that kind of thing. And uh, we'll, see, we'll just see how that flies. In the middle, we'll have a list of things that we'll just kind of run through together. And I believe some of those things on that list, the Holy Spirit has anointing upon for some of us this morning. And so we're gonna expect that he's gonna be the one to instruct us and teach us. And I'm trusting that he'll edit out any of the things that I thought seemed really awesome on Thursday, but they just don't fit in this morning. And we'll see how that goes, how the Holy Spirit editing takes place. Let me tell you what the three things are. They all start with the letter R. Royal, regular, and radical. Royal, regular, and radical. We're gonna talk about a royal view or perspective. Regular activity, just simple, mundane, regular things. And then radical change. Three things that I think God has given us to sow into transformation. A royal view, regular activities, but they're really important. And then a radical change and expectation of those kinds of things. So that's what we're gonna talk about. God often gives a description of something or someone before the visible evidence of it is available. Sometimes he'll wait till like way past an expiration date when it seems like maybe there was hope that could have been there, but it's gone now. And he is known for that. He'll call someone out ahead of time. We all know a bunch of stories. You know, there's Gideon, there's Moses, there's a bunch of those. And some of us have similar kinds of stories like that. God often does a naming or a perspective thing ahead of time or after it seems like it's too late in order to get us going, moving in the way of, tran uh, of transformation. And I actually was gonna spend a little bit of time talking about like a story, a, a dream that I had way back in the day and I'm not even gonna go there. You all have probably better ones than I do. But most of us know what it's like to have had a vision of something that we thought was gonna happen and years have gone by and it has diminished beyond even visibility in the rear view mirror. Maybe you feel like a, uh, a cold, wet blanket of doubt has sort of covered that whole thing up. Many of us have things like that. But I have a story about one from the scriptures that's it's a, a, associated with a familiar story with this part of the season especially, but there are some things about it that some of us may not know. This story is about a city, just a real little hidden off to the side kind of city. It was in the shadow of the really famous beautiful city. It's about five and a half miles southwest. Nobody really paid much attention to it. It had a pretty good start at one time. King David was born there. There are some other folks in the scriptures that are mentioned. Uh, Ruth and Boaz lived there. There are some other things that happened that made it kind of famous. But after a few hundred years, it faded out it was in the rear view mirror, way, way, way tiny in the back. It was kind of forgotten about. 
It was in the shadow of the beautiful, well-known place, but no one really would have given it any thought. It was very obscure. A few hundred years after some of the important things happened there, and it had time to fade into that obscurity, it became important again. There were some events that had transpired in the big famous city, Jerusalem, that caused there to be a, a stirring, and God responded by giving some prophetic words. And Nick, if you'd put that first slide up from Micah, it says, marshal your troops now, city of troops, that's the famous big city, Jerusalem, for a siege is laid against us, they will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. And there the next verse gives away what the little hidden obscure city is, Bethlehem. It was just down to the side and nobody paid it much attention anymore. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue in this scripture passage in Micah, it comes up and it doesn't even really make any sense particularly. The big city, the city of troops was under siege. They were in big trouble. The Assyrians had come through several times already. Probably Israel's ruler that's mentioned there is King Hezekiah. And some of you will remember the passage where he gets he realizes they're under siege and he gets a letter. And you remember that passage in the scripture where he takes the letter and he goes into the steps in the temple and puts the letter down and prays about it before the Lord. And it's a wonderful actual turnaround in that particular case. This particular verse doesn't really come true in the life of Hezekiah because God spared them. It's a fascinating story. But out of the blue, along this time, and when the prophet was writing, everybody knew what was going on. They were shaking in their boots. And Micah writes this prophecy, and he says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Ephrathah means fruitful, it's an interesting name. As it turns out, Bethlehem is a very fruitful place. But when Micah wrote this, no one was giving it any thought. It was way back in the past. Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose oranges, origins are from old, from ancient times. This little tiny city out in the boonies Remember, five and a half miles was a lot longer than it is now. Back then, five and a half miles, that was a pretty good hike. And that was the only way you could get there, you know. But out of the blue, Micah says, there is something for you, little unknown city, that will mark you as royal. And everybody knew this passage some 700 years later when we read this passage quoted in the New Testament. And we've all read this in Matthew where Herod gets really nervous because he hears word that there's some ruler coming up and he wants to know, what's the story on this? Who can tell me? So he gets all the scribes together, the people that study the scriptures, and they say, oh, we know the answer to that. God pointed it out. He declared over this tiny little city that was just out of the blue when he wrote it that a ruler would come from that city. And it was Bethlehem. So they quoted that to Herod. And he did his dastardly deeds as a result of it. But the point is, God chose ahead of time this city that no one would have suspected and he named it a royal place. And God does that all the time. And he does it for and in us. And there are a couple of examples of that. But there are a couple interesting things to notice here. He says, um, though you are small 
among the clans of Judah. And small doesn't just mean size. It's a, it's a smallness of quality. He says, you know what? Nobody's heard of you. And this is an interesting expression. It was also used about David compared to his brothers. He was the one that was left out and he didn't even get mentioned when all of the brothers got brought before Samuel. The level of quality just didn't seem to be there. But God gave the place a different name. And he says, out of you will come, and, and it's hard, we don't have, I, I actually could have made it in thicker letters too, it would have made sense, underline it. Out of you will come for me is emphasized. It's a strong phrase. God is saying, out of you, little city, low in quality, hidden in the shadow, Bethlehem, out of you will come for me. It's emphasized. The ruler that comes out is for him. It's an amazing thing that God does. And he often does it and catches us by surprise. We are the ones that are like Bethlehem. We are the accidental aristocrats. We didn't look prepared, qualified, or ready, but God says, you're the ones. I'm calling you out. Nick, bring up the next slide, 1 Peter. We've heard this one, but it's time for us to reemphasize it again. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God calls us things that sometimes are not apparent as much as they could be yet to call us up to them. And one of the keys to transformation is getting a sense of what your calling is, who you actually are, even if it's not apparent yet, if it's not visible yet. And God does this over and over again. There's another one, Nick and Matthew, Matthew chapter five. You are the light of the world. Just a reminder, by the way, the people that he was talking to, they weren't Christians yet. There wasn't any such thing. They were on their way. I mean, they were following Jesus and listening. But he's calling them up to something that they haven't even stepped into yet. He says, and he's looking, and this is, it's just striking me now, Jesus was doing like what I'm doing. That sounds weird. I'm doing like what Jesus was doing a tiny little bit. That, that, that's better, that's better. My point is, I'm looking out at people and I'm seeing ones about whom I could say, you are the light of the world. And I'm beginning to be able to see it even if you can't yet. He was calling them up as the light of the world. One of the keys to transformation is getting a hold of the descriptions that God has of us that we can't see yet. There's one more, Nick. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I heard somebody said this was their favorite verse. Ruth, I remember you said that. Okay, this wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's, it was in the Bible. I was gonna be so impressed that like I was paying attention and I wrote it down and everything like that. Sorry, Ruth. Would you consider this one maybe to? Well, for the rest of us, 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. God says you're new. And even though on some of us, the smell of the old smoke is still left, you know what I mean. We're new. And it's key for us as people of transformation to get a hold of what the royal view is, not that we're better than anyone else, but that God is making us and has made us something new and it begins to transform us because we think of ourselves that way. In getting this kind of a vision, the purposes of the royal view, there are several of them. One is it seeds hope. On the days when we feel like, ah, I kind of messed it up again. We need a reminder. I am actually new. At least I need that reminder. The royal view prepares a way. It helps us to be creative and looking for opportunities, making open uh, paths that maybe we didn't expect or didn't perceive before. A royal view cultivates vision. Seven weeks ago today, as a body, we received a word from the Lord, the hawk and the rattlesnake. Pastor Josh delivered that word. It was October 23rd. Let me encourage you to go back and look at that word again. Here's two ways you can do it. You can find it. If you go on YouTube and you look up the New Life City, did they call it a page on YouTube or, or channel? I, I knew I was close. Look up the New Life City channel and then you can go by the date, which was 7, 23, 22. No, it wasn't. Seven months. It was 10. Seven weeks ago, 10, 23, 22, okay. Or you can look up on the New Life City channel, prophetic words, and it's listed right there. Twice in that word, the Lord said to us, it all begins by setting the proper vision. as we are gonna cultivate coming into what the Lord was speaking to us, we need to focus on a royal vision. And I believe he also has some specific things for us as a body in the time that we're living. But undergirding that, is what, that's what the royal view does. It undergirds then the specific vision that he gives for what he's calling for us to do. And the last thing is that a royal view, it ignites expectancy, we begin to think something's actually coming. It's going to happen. So God gives us a royal view in order to do those four things, to seed hope, prepare a way, cultivate a vision, and ignite expectancy. In a, in a moment, we'll get to some things, some very practical, regular things, the second R, that we can do to actually begin to enter into that royal view a little bit better. We're coming into a new season, and it's going to be important for us to get a revitalized vision of ourselves in the Lord. It's not how great we are, it's who we are in the Lord, new creation, and then what does that mean for us as an individual in his presence, as a family, as a church family, and then what is our place in our city and in our state? Second one, number two. We've got a royal view, and the second one is regular activity. And the, the seed for this particular point in the sermon came up in a conversation that we were having at our dinner party group about a week ago. Steve Carlson, just we were talking about transformation and what brings change, and 
he just kind of offhandedly said, you know, a lot of times it has to do with just little choices that we make, little things that we do along the way. And that just kind of stuck in my mind. And I, I was just sort of pondering that. And it's actually really true. I didn't uh, have this in time. I didn't send it in for Nick to put on the slide, but I'm gonna read you a, a verse that Jody and I read yesterday in our time in the Word that really struck me. It's from Luke 22, and we're, we're actually reading through the end of Luke while we're celebrating the beginning of Luke. And it actually turned out, we didn't do it on purpose, but it's, it's actually kind of cool. It's just ended up being sort of this dual thing of like, oh yeah, you know, the famous birth of Jesus passage is the beginning of Luke, and here we are coming right up to, in chapter 22, him describing what we now call the Lord's Supper to them. And he says in verse 15, I have longed with all my heart to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. That just jumped out of the page to me as we were reading yesterday. It's just a meal. But Jesus says, I have longed with all my heart. That's a big heart. To eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. When we have communion, it's one of those, it's just a regular, for us, it's a regular thing. It's just like, Walking, we just do it. But God gives us things like that to make a way for transformation. It's actually what the gospel is about. It's incarnation. God loves physical things like eating and drinking and walking and talking and laughing, and hugging, and fellowshipping, going to work, coming home, and hugging your family. He loves those things. And incarnation is the process God pours into those things, meaning, and description, and connection points for us. And then, amazingly enough, he allows regular, physical things to then speak into the spiritual realm and make a difference. It's amazing just to ponder how God has connected regular things and spiritual things. Mundane choices that we make, activities that we engage in, just coming here on a Sunday morning, the expectation is that God will meet us here. It's amazing. Water is really good. <laughs> and it is just water. But it's a beautiful, mundane thing that God made. Nick, bring up that next slide, First Thessalonians. The things that we choose to do, they matter. Paul wrote, finally then, brothers and sisters, we ask you an appeal in the Lord, just as you received from us the way you ought to walk and please God, as in fact you are walking, that you keep progressing more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, your transformation. Just walking, just doing regular things over again by the leading of the Holy Spirit. God gives us a royal view and then he infuses regular activities with power in the Spirit. So I wanna um, run through a list of things 
just some regular things that I felt the Lord highlighted for us for this morning to consider. You know, Paul said something interesting last two weeks ago when he preached. He said that you actually have the world's greatest life coach. It's the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing to consider when we, when we read the Bible, we actually get to ask the author what he was talking about? It's amazing. When we consider our lives, we actually have the best life coach. So I'm gonna tell you that not all of the things that I'm going to list in a moment are for you. And I will also admit, I have no idea which ones are. But I believe that something there is for you. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will highlight it for you. Here are some regular things that God will infuse with Holy Spirit power to increase transformation. Read the word. That's kind of a simple one, isn't it? But maybe you need to re-up on that one. Maybe try something new, maybe a new version. This one that I read here, uh, this one's hard to get anymore. In fact, it's out of print for a long, long time. But it's William Barclay's translation. I just like it, it's different. Maybe you just need to get a new version. Try reading in a new place. Try standing up instead of sitting down. Try reading short passages instead of long ones. Or try reading long ones. Catch the whole narrative instead of short ones. The point is, trust God again to take something as mundane and regular as just reading the word and infuse it for transformation. Ask the world's greatest life coach, what would be good for you to do in reading the word? Ask for a new Bible for Christmas, maybe. I hadn't thought of that one. Number two, sing a song or play an instrument or listen to the radio, you know, if, if you feel left out. Radio? Did I say radio? <laughs> Leave it to a younger brother to call out the old man. They used to have these things that had like dials on them, you know, and you could, yeah, whatever. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Stream it then. But the point is, some of us who used to sing don't sing so much anymore. Or we used to play an instrument we don't play so much anymore. And th this isn't to call out, a, you, you don't feel guilty if you decided you never wanted to touch the violin again. I'm, I'm not, it's not about that. But the point is, maybe it's time to pick up some way of singing, playing, listening, engaging with the Holy Spirit in music. Trust him. I had a note here that says, buy an album. <laughs> How ridiculous is that? Okay, all right. I didn't even have radio written down. Uh, well, do they still call them albums? LPs, okay, yeah, that they don't call them. Okay. Number three, pray. Maybe it's time to pray a little different. Pray standing up instead of sitting down. Laying down instead of standing up. Maybe a new prayer partner. Maybe joining us in pre-service prayer right over in that little section. It kind of gets moved out of the way. Our pre-service prayer, this is just a little plug for it. You, not everybody has to do it. But our pre-service prayer at times can be pretty regular. Just, you know, it's just, we, we kind of do it every week. It's a little noisy in here. Uh, and I, the noise in here is actually lovely. It's generally people greeting one another and engaged and loud, but it's a little challenge at times. I'm gonna totally admit that. I'm just gonna say, you, we'll have to deal with it. That, that's, this is kind of the place where we need to do it. And so we're just, we're gonna deal with it. But maybe you need to find a new place to pray or join us in pre-service prayer. But transformation, 
a regular mundane thing. Let's engage in a new way. Number four, um, maybe an online devotional. Online. See, I'm actually living in the 21st century. <laughs> they have devotions online. Maybe something that uh, I used to... Th- I used to not be necessarily a big fan of devotionals. They just, they just didn't resonate with, with me. And that's fine. If they don't, this is, you know, skip that one off this list. But maybe you give it a try. Jody and I have been listening to one now. Give him 15. It's 15 minutes. We play it in the morning while we're getting ready, and we can listen to it. You can also read it if you want. It's nice and tight, 15 minutes. Every once in a while, it strays and goes crazy into 16 minutes. But it's really something that we are doing now. It's just consistent, it's regular, but it's doing something for us. Any of you remember, ah, now here, this is gonna give me away. Remember those little books that they would have in the back of the church called Our Daily Bread? Remember those? You can get Our Daily Bread online now. It's all digital. Ah, digital bread, it's free. My point is, ask Holy Spirit, is there something about a devotional that's consistent and regular that you would be inviting me into for transformation in this season of my life? Number five, call your daughter. Obviously, that's not for everyone. Call your mother. Call your sister. Call your brother, your son. You need to call somebody. Somebody in here needs to call somebody. Reach out under the direction of Holy Spirit and make that connection, make that call. Do it now for the sake of transformation in the life of the person that you're calling. And by the way, you may not get the evidence of it right away. I'm just saying, do it anyway. God will bring transformation as we listen to that urging to call someone. And I believe that one has Holy Spirit on it for some of us in here. Number seven, put a note on your mirror. Now, I don't know if anybody still does this anymore, but it used to be kind of a thing. And maybe you need to take one of those scriptures that we referred to earlier, the royal scriptures, and give yourself a royal view while you're looking in the mirror and stick that up there and see it in the morning. Put a note on your mirror of who you are, for real who you are, and get transformed by it. Number eight, this one is specifically for moms, but I'll broaden it a little bit because it'll fit for some of the rest of us. New moms, you need to cultivate your understanding and engagement with the truth that you are living in a calling in your life right now that is huge compared to the feeling of out of commission, overwhelmed, not doing as much important stuff as you used to, as you wanted to do, whatever that thing is, And I know it's real because I lived for years with a young mom who had visions of doing all kinds of things and they were good ones. But there are seasons and if you don't, just do that regular thing of cultivating a vision for incarnation. Be like Mary. 
I'm going to make a t-shirt that says that. Be like Mary. You know, mother of Jesus, Mary. Read the song that she sang, the exclamation that she made at the news of Jesus. And just allow that to wash over the season that you're in because it's, it's a challenge. And you're gonna make it through and it's gonna be really fast even though it seems right now like a day can last for 6,000 years. <laughs> but cultivate that vision. You are expressing the incarnation in your lives. And God loves that. And the regular duties of being a mom are critical for transformation. Just get a hold of them. And by the way, if you're not a mom, if you're just a dude going to work every day, but you've got the same feelings of like, this is ridiculous. I keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. You do the same thing. It's an incarnation for you to bring spiritual life into what you're doing and receive that as transformation in your own life. Number nine. It's a very simple one. Watch what you watch. That's all I have to say about that. The Holy Spirit just told some of you what that means. Watch what you watch. Nick, put up that next slide. It says in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else. You could just stop at that. Ponder that for a minute. Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. So I'm just telling you, for the sake of transformation, embrace the regular Exercise of wisdom. Watch what you watch. It'll lead you into transformation. I was going to make a joke here about I only have 48 more to go. But actually, I'm not going to do that. Here's the last one. Number 10, get some new friends. Actually, what I wrote down here was choose your friends well, and it just came out of my mouth, get some new friends. I didn't mean to say that. I think maybe I know who did. Some of you, I'm just saying here, you need to get some new friends. Or you need to ask Holy Spirit to help you to be one for somebody else that needs one. I have a friend, his name is Jim. We've been friends since they had radios. It's like 1988. And Jim and I, he, he would be the guy that I would say is my still, still my best friend. He doesn't live anywhere near here. We've lived geographically separated for a long time now. But every time I talk to Jim, I'm either encouraged or he is, or both. And I just consider that to be one of the best gifts that God has ever given me on the earth. And I wanna encourage you, the choices that you make in terms of who you spend time with and who you cultivate relationships with, sometimes it just seems, ah, you know, you just sort of take that, whoever comes across the screen, whoever you meet. It's one of those choices that is connected to transformation. It's critical. So, be a new friend 
improve, or just go out and get some new ones. Whichever one applies to you. I, I don't know which one that might be. So, royal, regular, and radical. Radical change. We were talking um, last Thursday night at, at prayer meeting about um, how unique New Life City is. And the context we were talking about it in was that we have had three people in a row on staff here that uh, were qualified to and actually did instruct us in the prophetic. There was Robin, whom I don't know. She was here before Jody and I were here. And then there was Colleen. And now we have Pastor Josh. I don't know how many churches you all get around to, but that is unusual. And we are wonderfully blessed by God to have an opportunity for the kind of change that prophetic words can bring. And we ought to embrace that. Last week, uh, Jake Kale spoke, and there were some amazing testimonies of release that came, things that went out that don't belong, things that came in to take their place as a result of the powerful word of God here. I don't think he actually did this on purpose, but Paul actually has, has asked me to, to speak twice. Both times, it was the Sunday after the big time itinerant traveling speaker, <laughs> sort of boisterous big guy, you know, who doesn't have to look at any notes, actually, you know, gets the whole thing going. Last time it was Matt Whalen. And then, you know, that guy, he was all over the place. He had guys up here acting things out and all over the place. And then the next week, hey, Greg, how about you? <laughs> then he brings in Jake Kale. Greg, you know, I don't think he did that on purpose, but I did note that it happened. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. But here's the thing, we have an expectation in this place of radical change, and we prepare a way for it. We have speakers come in, and by the way, we don't just need speakers, radical change will happen here uh, with God doing us, you know, the way we do, the way we, us. But the point is, our eyes are up and open, we're looking for radical change. And we need to embrace that. That's an unusual thing. Not everybody's doing that. It's not enough just to sort of sit around and hope we manage to get by until Jesus gets us out of here right before it's too late. That is not what the scripture teaches about the kingdom of God. And I'll prove it to you. Nick, Mark chapter four. How should we picture I didn't do that one yet. Next one. Well, that one. I don't even know what happened to those other ones. I probably forgot to talk about them. How should we picture the kingdom of God? Jesus said. Or by what story shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed when it's planted in the ground, though the smallest of all seeds in the earth Yet when planted, it grows up and becomes the largest of all the herbs. It puts forth big branches so the birds of the air can nest in its shade. He told them of another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, you know, yeast, which a woman took and put in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. We are to cultivate 
an expectation of radical change. The whole loaf wants to get changed. Jesus is the savior of the world. So we are studying and praying and fellowshipping together and having dinner parties and coming to church to the end that radical change would come into our own lives and our fellowship and our city and our state and the nation in which we live. And we are called to an expectation of radical, thorough, all the way to the very end of, you, you know the leaven thing, what, what that's about, you know? It's leaven spreading and having its impact all the way out to the ends. The little tiny seed growing up into a tree that's so big, in one of the other places he tells it, there's huge shade that you can come and get under because it's big. We are to be praying into and cultivating a sense of expectation that we're coming into radical change by way of regular activity supported underneath by a royal view of who it is that God is sending out. It's us. So we want to cultivate that expectation that God is going to do something that's big, that it's radical, and that we're not just hanging on by our fingertips, hoping to get by. And that takes specific, ongoing cultivation because the world is constantly telling us the opposite. And frankly, our bodies will tell us that. You just get worn out. You get tired. Your emotions will sort of begin to support the point of view that like, this isn't going anywhere. It's incumbent upon us to maintain a royal view. Listen to Holy Spirit about what those regular things are that we should be doing and let those things sow into a radical view, a radical expectation of change. Okay, now I know where those scriptures came from. Nick, I think I was supposed to be coming up to them any minute now. Isaiah 61, 11. Actually, let's leave that right there. We're gonna get to that one in a second. I realized afterwards I wanted to include verse 10, which is Jesus' point of view on, on this. Jesus is speaking and he says, I delight greatly in the Lord, my soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. And then it goes into this verse, verse 11. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Jesus' expectation is that he will have a seed in all the nations, in all the states, including New Mexico, in all the cities, including Albuquerque. Let's pray for a minute. I, I, didn't, I didn't really think about doing this till this morning on the way here, and, then I, and I was wondering. You can stand up if you want. You can stay seated if you want. I think we should pray for our transformation, for our fellowship here, for our city, for our state, for our nation. And then we should take just a minute and pray for the whole planet. Why not? Let's pray together.
Jesus, we want to join with you in delighting greatly in the Lord. And that our souls would rejoice in God and what he has planned for us. I want to learn to rejoice in what you have planned for me and how you're going to change me. So Holy Spirit, we are asking you that you would, by your Holy Spirit, increase within us a sense of the royal position that we have received because of Jesus and that we would be transformed by it. And we're asking you to be the one that comes alongside and says, do this and stop doing so much of that. We want to hear from you. And then, Lord, we're asking you for our fellowship here. That as we consider how good you have been to us, having made us uniquely who we are, and you're working on the shortcomings, we're going to trust you to fix some of those. Lord, we bless New Life City. Thank you for all that you have given to us. Thank you for a history of commitment to the Holy Spirit and the Word. We rejoice in that. And we're asking you to make it increase. Lord, we're asking you for our city want it. We want it for you. We want you to have it. You paid for it with your own blood. So Lord, we bless the city of Albuquerque and ask that you would make her into everything that she can be as you pour out your grace. We break off all of the deception that has come in and all of the darkness that would cover what a beautiful city looks like when it's inhabited by righteousness and justice and grace and wisdom. We bless the church of Jesus in this city every fellowship that's meeting this morning and is honoring your name, we ask that they would increase, that they would prosper, that they would enjoy your presence, that they would find their calling and do it with joy. We bless the city of Albuquerque. And Lord, we love New Mexico. I never in my life expected to be in New Mexico. And many of us. And here we are. Lord, we bless the state of New Mexico. We ask that you would give us a view of what the state can be, not just what it is so far. We ask you for your mercy. We ask you for your grace to cover sins and brokenness and instead grant beauty in place of ashes. Change our state. Holy Spirit, come.
And we thank you that we are free to worship here this morning because of vision of people that established a country that is flawed but amazing. And we thank you. Lord, we bless our nation and ask that it would come into alignment with your plans. We ask you for your mercy. Lord, we have a vision for radical change for our country. Not because it's better than anybody else's. We're going to get to every country on the planet in a minute. But Lord, we're here, and we're here now, and so we're asking you to revitalize and renew and redeem and restore our country. We want to live up to the calling that comes with the responsibility of blessing that you have poured out here. So we're asking you to help us. We expect radical change for our nation. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we bless the earth. You have chosen out and made and fashioned the earth. Your word says you're going to come here and dwell with men in a way that was pictured when you came to the earth as a man. I don't know if earth is the center of the universe or not. It's probably kind of close. You have your eye on this planet and we're asking you to finish the redeeming work of Jesus that it would be manifest over the whole earth. That it would be glowing with the light of compassion and grace and mercy and joyfulness and fruit of Holy Spirit. That every life on the planet would be wrapped up into Jesus himself. And would you make us people that expect that to happen? Because you said it was in your heart to do it. And lift up our eyes to see the regular choices that we make today and tomorrow. As sowing into the radical change that you are doing on the planet. Help us, Holy Spirit. Stephen, would you come up and invite the Holy Spirit with music? Let's go ahead and all stand together. If you weren't yet, I had my eyes closed. I don't know who's standing or not. want to encourage you if you had a Holy Spirit highlighter <laughs> hit something on, on that list of things and you'd like to pray about that with someone if there's something else that's on your heart that you'd like to receive prayer for this morning we want to invite you we have a prayer team that'll be headed up this way just in any second now They would love to pray with you. You don't want to encourage the prayers. Prayer in the front here is one of those regular things that sometimes, I don't know about the rest of 
them, but sometimes for me it feels like I don't think anything happened when I did that. And there's something connected to life in the Spirit, even with just laying our hands on one another. So Holy Spirit, we wanna ask you to energize our prayers. So go ahead, you can begin coming up. I'm just gonna give a, a, a prayer of blessing over us, and then if you're ready to go, you are free to do that. If you'd like to come up for prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke something to you, give him a chance to deepen that, give you some further instructions on it, get some prayer. I really appreciate the privilege of being able to speak to you this morning. Thank you. Holy Spirit, we offer you our worship this morning. We offer you our hearts together. Thank you for all that you have done for us. We offer you the rest of this day. And as we come and pray for each other or simply greet each other on the way, Lord, we ask your blessing on all of it in Jesus' name.